0: If you're new here today, we just want to welcome you and say that uh, we're thrilled that you're here. We've been expecting you. Welcome to the family. Uh, the family's getting bigger and bigger by the week. And um, we are in a season. You know, we've talked for a while about how we know um, that, that there's the next level, that we're on the edge of the next level of what God's doing with this church and uh, last week when I was in the meeting and Barry said something similar to me on the Monday, I felt God say to me, you know that next level, you've just reached it. Now do this level well and get ready for the next one. So uh, we're in exciting times, church, because what God has promised, doesn't matter who tries to stand in the way, God is faithful to complete the work that is started. Um, So at the moment, I've got this business app on my phone and um, get little things on it every day like, I I don't know, doesn't really interest me. But anyway, I've still got it. I should delete it, but I haven't. Um, And uh, you get something every day. So like some kind of inspirational article or something. Here are some of the things that come up. The keys to great business ideas. Six ways to make you succeed. Success is a choice principle of the day. Use principles. Five things that will make you happier. And then the following day, massive jump from five things that will make you happier. We jump to 33 things that will make you happier. And then there was one article that says, research shows happiness for someone winning the lottery is fleeting. Happiness comes from something much deeper. I'm like, you reckon? Like, that's not rocket science, is it? Like, of course it's only fleeting and happiness comes from something much deeper. But the funny thing was that the man who wrote this article, there was his name and underneath it, I kid you not, his job title in this university over in the States was, wait for it, Head of Happiness. Like what a job title, head of. You can never have a bad day if you are head of happiness, can you? Like you can never walk into the office and just feel a bit knocked off because you are head of happiness. But as as these things come up, joking aside, you know what I realised that people are spending millions, absolutely millions, on trying to work out happiness and trying to work out success, and you know what? It's all in the book. It's all in the Bible. And as Christians, we have this with us every single day. And every answer we need to finance, to business, to relationships, to happiness, to dealing with grief, everything we have, it's in the book. Whereas other people get given a job called the head of happiness and he's still trying to work it all out. And people are paying millions and millions all over the world trying to find out how to get success when it's all in the book. And I would say today to all of us, how much do we use the book? And how much do we search elsewhere for happiness? Because whatever you want and whatever you need, the answer is in the book. And for the next 35 minutes, we get this time morning and evening every week. Where as well as having that with us at home, we get to unpack it here together. Together as... The church of God, together as the church family, we get to unpack it and it's so privileged that we get to do this freely every week. In this app, one of the days really caught my eye and it said this, what's preventing you from living the life of your dreams? People are chasing a life of their dreams. And I know that that article will have got so many at hits and been open so many times. Because people are striving for the life of the dreams and they're missing that the life of the dreams never comes without Jesus. That he's the centre of our success, he's the centre of our happiness. You know, people will sometimes say to me, Vicky, your life doesn't make any kind of sense and it really doesn't make any kind of sense. But I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm able to do what I do. And the provision that comes for our family is because of Jesus. And because he's the one that we're grounded in and we're rooted in. And everything comes out of him because he's a good soil. And so I want to say today that whatever you're looking for, the answer is here. As we gather together today and we just spend some time looking in the word of God, looking in the Bible and and unpacking something. And uh, I told you a few weeks ago... uh, story about my sat nav and how every time I tried to get it, it, always seemed to be when I was trying to get back from Chris and Naomi's house, Which sound like I spend a lot of time there, I actually don't, I, it always brought me the wrong way and I used to lose the Runcorn Bridge, has anybody seen the new Runcorn Bridge? Like it's not easy to miss, it is huge, what do you call it Barry? The, yeah. the Whitney Harbour Bridge, right, it's massive, I used to come back from Stockton Heath, I lost it every time. So I says to Barry in the car, I says, do you know what, Barry, I said, I don't know what's going on. I says, every time I come back from Chris and Naomi's, he said, I can't find the, the, the Runcorn Bridge. I said, it sends me somewhere else in the sat nav. So he said, well, Vicky, have you updated your sat nav? I was like, what? And he said, you have something at the top that tells you about an update? I said, yes. He said, what do you do with that?" I said, I click X. <laughs> I just click X. That's why I can't find Runcorn Bridge right? So just click X. Barry was like, you just need to do an update. You just need to do an update. And, and out of that, God really spoke to me about sometimes we get stuck in a situation in life and we just need to press update. We just need to start looking for our own answers. And why is this not working? And we're going around in circles and it's like, just click update. Find out what the next update in God is for your life. So the other day in my car again, I'd just like to say I have since come back from Chris and Naomi's wherever you are and I make it home fine. I have not lost the Runcorn Bridge any longer. Well, the other day I'm in my car. One of the things I won't do is multi-story car parks. I drove to Leeds the other week for Barry and I says to him, if I have to go in a multi-story car park, love, I am pulling the car over and you're going to have to get in the driver's seat because I'm not parking in a multi-story car park. So the other day I found myself in a situation where I needed to park in the multi-story and it was unavoidable. And I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, like I can do this. Like, you know, because you always pull out that verse from the Bible at this moment. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Right, so I'm like, I'm in the small car. I'm not in the big long one that's like an articulated lorry. I'm in the small car. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and we are off. Now whenever I've been in a multi-story car park, you go up a ramp. And then you drive along a flat bit and then you go up another. Have you been in the Warrington multi-storey car park? It's like a helter-skelter. <laughs> it's just round and round and round and round. So I start going up. I'm like, my gosh, it's never ending. It's And so I begin to panic because I can't see the top. It's just round and round and round. And irrationally in my head, I start to think, what if the car rolls back? what what happens if I can't keep going? I start to think, what happens if like my leg gives way? Stupid and irrational, I know. And I got this plan. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stop on the helter-skelter ramp. And I'm going to ask the person in the car behind me, this poor man who didn't have a clue of the meltdown that was going on in front of him, to get in my car and drive me up to the top to Icon, And then I'll walk up the ramp I'm think, because I'm not going to get in a car with a stranger, because that would be wrong, but I will allow the stranger to get in my car and drive me all the way to the top. Barry didn't know I was having this meltdown the other day. And, and so I'm being completely irrational. I never thought that he would have to leave his car, drive my car, then he would have to run down the ramp, get in his car and drive his car back up. All I needed was a knight in shining armor and Barry wasn't around. So I had this irrational moment, he usually is, he's not bad, I had this irrational moment and at that moment it was really real to me, as stupid as it sounds now, that I was just going to get out the car because I, I couldn't think of a way through it, so I'm just, the answer is I'm just going to get out the car, anyway I made it to the top, I'm never going in again, <laughs> I was like dripping beads of sweat by the time I got to the top. But I got to the top. And then as I got out the car and I started to, to walk, I remember someone once saying, a really you know, good sound preacher, that your whole life is a video camera. Take in everything that's going on around you and allow God to speak to you through it. And as I was walking into the shop, this um, that had happened to me, God spoke to me. And he spoke to me about this morning... And he said, that that I went through is an example of some people's lives in this room today. And you are about to abandon ship in a situation. You are about to get out. That you can't uh, find a way ahead. You don't feel safe. You feel panicky. You feel fearful and you're about to abandon ship. And God wants to say to you today, hold on. Wait a moment and just stop. I don't know whether that's for one person in here today, whether it's for 50 people in here today, but God is saying to you just wait a moment. Hold on and stop. Where are you basing your decision on today? For some, you are waiting on a promise that has never happened. And you feel that this promise has been denied to you. And God is saying to you today, I have not denied that promise. A promise delayed is not a promise denied. And in the waiting of that promise, God is doing something very beautiful that although we don't see it, it doesn't mean that's not the case. And so God is saying to you today, that promise that you are holding out for, that vision that you have that you're not seeing come into play and you're not seeing happen. God is saying to you today, I have not forgotten you. And I have not denied that promise because God who who gives a promise is faithful to his word. And God never breaks his promises. And so be encouraged today because God is saying to you, don't jump ship. Don't get off. Don't abandon the car. Keep on going. Because as I started to round the, the bend and I didn't know how far it was to the top, I suddenly realized the top wasn't that far away. I just had to stay in the car. And I just had to keep on going. And I had to give myself a talking to. And I actually gave myself a talking to. It was like, you, don't be so ridiculous. And I made it to the top. And God's using that story today to say to you, don't abandon your post. Hold your nerve. One of the things me and Barry use a lot to each other is, hold your nerve. Hold your nerve. Don't jump ship. Because things are difficult at this time. We're carrying on with the series this morning, The Truth About. And I'm going to talk about the truth about the promised land. If you want to give this title any, if you want to give this sermon any title, it's called Positioned for the Promise. Positioned for the Promise. See, I believe that we're meant to be a people who do our lives well. That we don't just like, false hope of oh I hope it'll all turn out I hope it'll all because of the book because of the word of God because of the bible we're given our book of life to tell us how to do life and I believe we're people that are to be strategic about the things of God. I believe that we're people who are meant to be leaning into his word and hungry for more and and, and always wanting what God's got next for us. And this morning is called Positioned for the Promise. Going where God leads. His great plan for our lives. Fatmon spoke so well last week about the plan that he's got for our lives. His place of promise. You know, when you talk about the promised land some people use it as like people will say oh if you go we've got a friend who lives on the Wirral and he says oh you've come to the promised land you know when people use the promised land a bit flippantly but actually when you think about your future and you think about what that promise might look like there is a myth that it is perfect and that is a myth it's a, in, in God, it's perfect. God's plans are perfect. But in our own selves, in the way that we view things, if something isn't perfect, we suddenly think that God isn't in it. We suddenly think that you, we've got it wrong. We suddenly think that this is too hard, so we're going to jump ship. We suddenly think that it should look so much different if this is God's plan. I had a time in my life where I completely took my life out of God's hands. And I remember saying to God, one of the worst things I ever said, If this is the best you can do, I can do it better myself. How wrong I was. But because my time that I felt should have been perfect, my time that felt I shouldn't have carried the hurt that I carried, my time that felt I shouldn't have been carrying the grief that I carried, my time was not perfect and I felt that God had abandoned me in some way and God had got it wrong and that I could do it better myself. But you know that time? Because I couldn't manage without him for very long. And I had to come back. And that time, when I stuck at it, was positioning me for promise. My whole life, my whole life, story after story after story, has been part of leading me to the promised land. Leading me to all that God has got for me. And it's been far from perfect. But I soon realised... That for the promise, I needed to get over myself and I needed to position myself well. And that every season of my life was going to teach me something great for this plan that God had got for me. Everything I go through now, I know I'm going through it because it's positioning me. And so we're going to look at how to do the journey of promise well. Any journey of life, we can choose how we do it. It's a choice. And it's completely down to us how we do it. But I want to look at a story in the Bible that talks about the journey of promise and doing that journey well. And we're going to start in Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. The Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men, all of them tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. So here we've got that the Lord is making a promise. He's making a promise of a land. And what he's saying is, he's not saying, I might give this to you. He says, The Lord says to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving. It doesn't say the land I may give. It doesn't say the land I am considering giving. It says the land I am giving. And God is a man of his word, right? God's not going to go back on what he said. He's not going to break his promise. He's true to his word. And he said to Moses, I am giving this land. That was a promise moment. The land was a promise moment. And so Moses picked the leaders and he sent them. And he sent them into this land. And we're going to pick it up at verse 17. It's a long, long passage of scriptures. I'm just picking verses out. Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like. And find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do they have towns? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. It happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes. Moses gives them instruction. He gives them instruction to spy out the land and to bring back a report. Moses didn't do this because he was fearful of the land like he didn't believe God that he thought God could have got it wrong. Moses needed to know what they were heading into because they needed to be equipped for it. Anything we head into in life with God we can, we can know how to do the season well and we might not find it like all at the beginning and it might be along the way but God will always tell us and equip us to do the season well this is what is happening here Moses is doing this season well he's saying go ahead this is what I need you to find out for me then you just come back and give me a report all he wanted just it's quite strategic he just wanted a report coming back and then in verse 23 it says the spies the 12 spies that have gone in when they came to the valley of Eshcol They cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. And they also brought back samples of pomegranates and figs. These spies are heading home with a good report. They are like, there is a feast. These grapes, the the, the blessing was so huge that it took two of them to carry it. They brought back other samples. They were bringing home a good report to Moses. And then verse 25, it says after exploring the land for 40 days, this is the land that the Lord has promised, the men returned to Moses, Aaron and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, the land promised by God. And it is indeed a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak. Which were known as huge people. As huge giants. So this bountiful um, land that they talk about. Is suddenly wiped out. By the fear. Moses didn't send them out to bring fear back, he sent them out to bring back a report. And suddenly, the wonderful grapes and the bountiful and the, all the good stuff going on in that land is wiped out by the but. I would say to all of us today how many times can we talk about the blessings of the Lord? and follow it with a but that wipes out what has gone before yeah. I have done that so many times yeah the Lord's done this the Lord's done this but 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 that didn't work quite as it should but I still need this but I still need that and the minute I do that it wipes anything that's gone before now you see when I, I've seen a miracle of God and I talk about that and then I say but and bring a load of negative and 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 I sit with a load of negative it wipes it out but if I acknowledge all that the Lord has done and said and I'm believing for more (laughs) and I'm believing for a miracle in this and I'm believing for a miracle in that it's saying I still have faith I, I may not have this but my God who's done the bountiful who's done the bountiful will be the bountiful of this too but this isn't what happens here. They're not saying, oh, the people there are powerful and the towns are larger, fortified." but we know God's got it. We even saw giants there. Twelve spies went in and ten brought back a fearful report. The other two, Joshua and Caleb, were men of God. And in verse 30, it says, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. He says, let's go at once to take the land. We certainly can conquer it. We can certainly conquer it, he said. Caleb had seen the giants. Of course he'd seen the giants. But what he'd seen, he'd seen the giants and he'd seen his God. He'd seen his God he'd seen everything the other people had seen, but his stance on the matter was completely different because he knew God had promised. And yeah, he knew there were giants in the land, but what he knew was my God's promise so we can conquer the land. Come on, let's go and get it. He was ready, he was ready to go. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought of us too. They all explored the same land. They all went to the promised land. They all walked through the promised land, they walked round the promised land. They went to the hills, they went to the valleys, they all went to the same place. But they came back with different reports. You see, Caleb and Joshua were positioning themselves for the promise because they knew God. And they'd seen what God had already brought them through. And they knew their confidence in him was 100%. They knew they didn't need to doubt him. They saw the giants, but they weren't ruled by the giants. God was the one who would lead them to the promise. And because the promise was from God, God would take care of anything else in that land. Their confidence was in who God was. And he's like pleading and he's saying, listen, we can conquer it. Let's go, let's go. But the other voices were so loud and they started to spread it around the camp and spread it through the land so that they all started. There was panic. Panic broke out at this point. Chapter 14, verse seven. Caleb and Joshua said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. It's a wonderful land because you know the plans that God has for us, they are wonderful plans. And there are giants in the land, but my God is bigger than any giant. No giant can stand. I love that song that we were singing before. I'll probably get all the words wrong. No shadow you won't light up. No mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Because you see, when I've got God on my side, I don't need to fear a thing. Nothing, I can walk head and shoulders above any giant. I am victorious against any giant. Because the God, the God of all gods and creator God is on my side. He's for me. He's preparing the way in the promised land. He's walking ahead of me. He's speaking to me. He's giving me direction. And this is why Joshua and Caleb said, It's a wonderful land. We've explored it. It's a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, He will bring us safely into that land and He'll give it to us. It is a rich land, flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land. <laughs> they are only helpless prey to us, because they knew who their God was. They knew who the God So the others that are like the giants and the this and the that. And it's like, oh, they're just helpless prey to us, because we're not going in ourselves trying to take the land. We're going into what God has promised for us. So they're just helpless prey. They have no protection. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of them. Caleb and Joshua chose to focus on the blessings and the possibilities of what would come in the promised land. I would say to us today... What do you see in your situation that you're going through at the moment? What God talked about at the beginning? What is it that you're about to jump from and say no more? Because whatever it is, is masking itself as a giant in your life. And it's just helpless pray. It's just helpless pray. And there's some giants in people's lives today that need to come down. They may be a giant of finance. It might be a giant of fear. It might be a giant of Pride. Might be a giant of family, might be a giant of addiction. And although they mask themselves like giants, with the name of Jesus against them, they have no protection because the Lord is with you, just as He was with them. And God is saying to you today, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, stand in the confidence. That you have through me. Don't be afraid. Don't run away. Face it. Face it head on. Because I will bring that giant down in your life. God's saying. I will bring that giant down. But trust me. Trust me. That the land is wonderful. Trust me that the land is bountiful. Trust me that all these other reports. Are nothing. In light of me. God is saying to people today, trust me. Trust me. And then in verse 21, God speaks. And he says this. But as surely as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. All the ones that had grumbled, all the ones that had moaned, all the ones that had missed... The previous faithfulness of God to them. All the ones that turned fear into the camp. All those ones, Lord, saying, they'll never enter the promised land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice how many times do we know an answer to a situation because God has given it to us how many times has God highlighted something that we need to keep away from how many times has God instructed us through the Bible of what we need to do how many times have we sat and heard a message and you're like that was for me but we walk away and we do nothing with it how many times how many times do I sit there in a, in a word or I might be in the car listening to my worship. How many times do I get that feeling where I'm like, God, I know what I need to do. And I choose not to do it. I choose to continue doing it my way. And when I choose to continue doing it my way, I get further and further and further and further down. That all I can do is speak negative. Why isn't this working? Why isn't that working? Why isn't the other working? God, why have you left me in this situation? God, why would you do this to me? But God's promise is bountiful. It's bountiful. And we just need to position ourselves for the promise. says, they will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see. It actually says anyone over the age of 20 wouldn't enter the land. Listen to this. But my servant Caleb. That's just beautiful, isn't it? But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have he has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land, but my servant Caleb, the other 10 spies probably thought they were absolutely crackers, and probably thought they were absolutely mad, and they were overpowered by everybody else's voices, but God saw and said, but my servant Caleb He's got a different attitude because he positioned himself for the promise. He was not going to miss out on what God had got. And I pray today that the hunger stirs up within anybody who needs it in this place today to say, no, 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 I've been possessioning myself all wrong and I'm going to position myself for the promise because I'm going to identify all that's gone before. I'm going to acknowledge all that the Lord has done and said. Like this is what Caleb's saying, I've seen all that the Lord has done. Why would he let me go now? Why would he take me into a place where I'm going to get assassinated? Why would my God do that to me? And so he had the confidence to put one step in front of the other. He had the confidence to open his mouth and say, the land I have seen is wonderful. He had the confidence because of not of anything he could do, but because of who he knew his God was and that his God has been faithful. You know, I remember a time in my life and, I knew God was asking me to do something. <clears throat> and I was already maxed out at this point, maxed out. I'd got our fourth child on the way, and she that was Eleanor, and she was seriously ill. And they didn't know when she was born what would happen. Um, we would, Barry was working full-time and different things going on. We were doing so many different things in the church, and God asked something of me. And I remember sitting in worship and just saying to him, God, I don't know how that's going to work. And then just getting this confidence in me. And God said to me, it's not your job to know how it's going to work. It's your job to let me do the work. And at that moment, I stood in his promise. I stood in his promise over me. I stood in his promise over my family. Knowing that was part of my journey of promise to the promised land. And then as a family, around the same time actually, Barry comes and says that God's spoken to him to change his job. And the job he was taking was such a low salary compared to what he was on. It wasn't even gonna pay our mortgage. And I battled. I was the ones that was like, Barry, do you not see the giants in the land? Barry, Barry, sit down and do the accounts with me. let's get this down on paper and he'd go well it's not going to make sense love but I just know it's God wasn't just a crazy idea he knew it was God and here's the thing I knew it was God and that was really frustrating because I knew it was God but in me, it didn't make any sense. In me, I saw the giants. In me, I saw the house being repossessed. In me, I saw this baby that I was carrying. I'd got the twins and I'd got Sophie. I'd got this sick child that we didn't know what was going to be. And I'm like, and Barry is risking us losing our house. Because we can't even pay the mortgage with the salary, never mind the bills, never mind feed my children, never mind do all of this. And I battled, I battled with Barry for months. And I mean months. must have been about six months. And all the time there was a niggling in me, I I knew what I had to do. I knew all I needed to do was say yes. That was all I needed to do. But I battled and I kept speaking out to Barry. Barry, you don't get it. Barry, you don't see it, do you? Barry, you don't. Do do you realise we could lose our house, Barry? I'd go to my mum and I'd go to Auntie Stella and I'd be telling them about it. And I just created a great big mess. And you know what Barry did? He may as well have turned around and said, it's going to be wonderful. (laughs) But he didn't because he probably thought I'd admit it. But I couldn't see what he could see. But something in me knew it would be well. And he was, not only was he leaving his job, like, cutting all our finances down. I mean, like, we, we did well. We came through this, didn't we, love? He then goes on a mission trip to Romania, Well, I'm really, really like due to deliver with a sick child and I've got the twins and I've got Sophie and I go and stay at my sister's house in a caravan so that she can keep her eye on me and that I'm all right. And he's he's planning this trip to Romania, which I didn't agree with either. We had a bit pretty bad year. (laughs) And the night before he went to Romania, I knew, I knew I had to stop being me. Had to stop the control had to stop trying to work it all out and I had to see that the promise was wonderful and not only see that the promise was wonderful I had to acknowledge that the promise was wonderful I remember sitting on the the kitchen chair in our house and he was weirdly enough at the cooker because Barry doesn't really cook (laughs) and he was at the cooker I remember sitting on the chair and me saying to him Barry and he said what and I said it's okay We'll do it, we'll do it. And in that moment, everything changed, but nothing did. I didn't have an answer. I didn't know how I would pay the bills. I didn't know how I would keep the house. I didn't know how the baby would be. I knew nothing. But once I positioned myself for the promise, everything changed and I could see that the future would be wonderful. And I went through months, even after Eleanor being born, of nothing changing and me not seeing an answer but I knew I knew it was gonna be well I knew it was because it was the promise for us and part of that journey led to this journey and this journey will lead to that journey and that journey will lead to this journey and this journey will lead to that journey until I see him face to face and he says well done good and faithful servant because the promise of God is always yes and amen. He will never get it wrong. And the journey of promise is the most beautiful journey until he leads us to the place where at the end of our life, whenever that may be, we know that we have achieved all that he'd asked of us. And the story about the finances, I was in hospital with Eleanor and I had her in my arms and nothing had changed and I just remember just feeling like really starting to feel frightened and I had to say no God it's well and I had to declare it in this hospital bed it's well it's well God it's gonna be well because I knew that a peace had settled in me when I'd agreed to the promise and I came home and nothing changed and two days before he's due to start his new job something happened financially in our life that blew everything out the water I'm talking major, major, major financial breakthrough not something that could happen because somebody's created it because they felt sorry for you our finances became bountiful not because of what we were but because of who he was because of who he was and that the promise once we positioned ourselves is bountiful it's bountiful and I would just say to you in closing what giants do you see in your land? There may be giants in your land, but that does not change the fact that it's your promised land. It doesn't change the fact that it's your promise. It's still your promised land when you feel like you're going to be eaten alive. It's still your promised land when you feel out of your depth. It's still your promised land when you feel like people are looking down on you like you're a grasshopper, like what these spies have said. It's still your promised land because the Lord's blessing is there. His provision is there. His goodness is there. His power is there. His miracles are there. in the promise, in the promise. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm just going to read these names. It says it was by faith that Abel. It was that by faith that Enoch. It was by faith that Noah. It was by faith that Abraham. It was by faith that Sarah. it was by faith that Isaac. It was by faith that Jacob. It was by faith that joseph it was by faith that moses parents it was by faith that moses it was by faith that the children of israel it was by faith that rahab and the list goes on there's too many to mention it was by faith that all these people entered the promise it was by faith that they are recorded in the book it was by faith it says how much more do i need to say it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of gideon Barak, Samson, Jephthah David, Samuel and all the prophets. By faith these people overthrew kingdoms ruled with justice and received what God had promised them they shut the mouths of lions quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword their weakness was turned to strength they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight because if my God is for me then no one can be against me let's stand to our feet church what are those giants in your life that you need to speak to and say if my God is for me you cannot be against me if my God is for me you have no voice if my God is for me I have no fear and I'm going to pray now whatever they are if you want me to pray just lift your hand up and there's going to be some giants coming down in this place today but you need to speak to them and tell them that my God is for me you need to take control my God is for me my God is for me are we ready put your hands up if you want prayer Lord we come to you today and we identify we identify that we need you we identify that there's some giants in our lives that need to come down and in the name of Jesus today the mighty name of Jesus we, we acknowledge that all these things are powerless They are powerless in the name of Jesus. That they have no power over us. That they have masked themselves as powerful. But today we speak to them and remind them you are powerless in the name of jesus because if my god is for me then who can be against me if my god is for me then nothing can stand against me if my god is for me he will remove you if my god is for me the land is good if my god is for me the promise is bountiful and we declare the goodness of god over each of our lives and we bring those giants down in the name of jesus And we thank you, Lord, for all the miracles to come. And all the testimonies to come. And everybody said, Amen.